0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt Lift Eat Podcast, brought to you by Hunt Lift Eat Official. I'm Carter McKenzie, running host tonight with the one and only Perry Eisner coming at us from North Carolina. What's up, man? Not much, buddy. Glad to be here. Good to have you back on. I haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's been a minute. Excited for tonight's show.
1: Gonna, gonna yeah, get man. into get into all things food plotting, which is always right up my alley.
0: Yeah, land management and food plotting and you know this. This one applies. I figured this would be a uh, a good conversation for both of us to get on, especially. I want you to hear uh, what our guests tonight have to have to talk about with their awesome company, especially for your uh, your farm up there in, in Virginia, Perry. So I think this will be good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm stoked.
0: And uh, yeah, joining us tonight, we've got uh, we've got the two Jeffs. We've got Jeff Nagel, and we've got Jeff Vanderheiden joining us, and. Uh, Jeff Nagel and Vanderheiden are both associated with uh, the awesome company, Buck Fever Seed Co., and uh, Jeff Vanderheiden is the owner and operator. And Jeff Nagel, how would you explain your association with Buck Fever? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's kind of beyond a pro staffer. I guess you could just say we're
2: just really good friends, and um, I help him. He bounces things off me. I bounce things off him, and um, – yeah, it's it's really just beyond a, a like kind of like a pro staff um, yeah. position, but that's the, I guess if you wanted to give it a title, it's kind of more or less just a pro staff.
0: Heck yeah! And Jeff Vanderheiden, welcome, man. Glad to have you on here. Owner and operator of Buck Fever Seed Company.
3: Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, of course, man. Um, it's funny. As soon as Jeff Nagel and I got linked up, we got linked up about two years ago uh, via a Facebook group. Uh, called no-till poor man food plot, <laughs> and uh, I was about five minutes out of college, and I had zero money, and we had just bought this farm. My wife and I did this small farm here in, in North Georgia, and uh, I was like, "Wow, poor man, no-till, like no equipment." Sign me up. That's right up my alley. That's that's what I'm talking about. That's where I'm at right now. And uh, got to asking some questions, and Jeff was one of the, you know, one of the few helpful people on that group who. Kind of fielded a lot of questions that I had. Uh, I probably asked his asked his ear off, but um, and we we developed some really successful food plots over the last three years here uh, via his help through the uh, no till food plot method. And then he actually is the one who turned me on to your company, Jeff. So that's pretty cool connection. Small world, there.
3: Yeah, it works out well that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, man. That's awesome. Well, we're stoked to have you guys on here and. Uh, Nagel, we're going to jump into the, the, the no-till method, which I know you are a, uh, you are proficient at and something I've tried to pick up and learn along the way. And, um, Jeff, we want to talk about your company, man. So, you know, give us, give us the rundown. How did you, how did you jump into Buck Fever Seed Co and jump into putting food plot seeds together and deciding what packages go with what and everything in between?
3: Yeah. I mean, the whole thing kind of started, uh, you know, just basically based off the, off the passion, um, it was one of those deals where, um, you know, growing up, um, as a bow hunter and stuff like that, uh, being able to, you know, do some work on some properties. Uh, when I finally was able to start doing, um, work on properties that I had permission on or, or, you know, a lease property or whatever, I was able to start putting food plots and stuff in the ground and it just, uh, It really intrigued me. The whole, you know, um, sweat equity side of things is is basically just, uh, you know, what I like. I mean, you put in the work year round to to try to get that result, you know, and uh, and so the food plotting thing just really took off for me. I I liked what it did. Um, You know, it enables people to. You know, hold and, and sustain food sources on property and, and not only help the whitetails, but help all kinds of wildlife with different things that you can do with food plots. So um, it's just one of those things that was a passion. And I actually uh, was interested in, I kind of dug into the seed side of it a little bit more and I um, checked into being some dealers even for some different companies out there and things like that. And And honestly, Um, I just found myself to be really motivated and kept digging into it. And the further I got into it, the more I wanted to, you know, check into starting something my own. And that's, that's what I did and start experimenting with, uh, you know, different seed blends and searching for things that I felt like were more beneficial and, and things like that. And that's kind of the progression of it, how it went. And so, uh, yeah, basically started it up just based off of that. And, I'm one of those guys when I get something in my head, I kind of nerd out about it. I don't know how y'all are, but, uh, you know, I really, really dig into it and start, you know, doing as much research as I can about certain things and, and whatever. And that was the the food plot side of it for me. So, and it's taken off from there.
0: Yeah. I didn't realize how complex it was, uh, until I really got into it and Jeff was, asking me like, Hey, what's your soil sample look like? And I was like, I don't red. I don't know. My my, my dirt's red, man. It's not great. (laughs) Like what's your pH? What's your, you know, organic material and, uh, or organic matter. And you know, all these things that I really didn't comprehend going in there. And, uh, yeah, you can really nerd out on it, right? There's a lot of data points and there's a lot of things to consider when you're looking at something like this.
3: Yep, and there there's a lot of people that have a lot of good information out there, and a lot of different things that you can learn, you know, from the agricultural world on different, you know, seed varieties and different things like that. And so, yeah, you can you can really dig deep on on all of that.
0: That's awesome. And uh, Nagel, I guess, did you jump in and <laughs> you help troubleshoot and you help? Uh, you're you're the groundhog for a lot of these seed blends and things like that. <sighs> Sometimes, I mean, he, he sent me a f- few things um, to
2: test out. One was the uh, the Quick Start Clover. Um, that was a t- product he came up with. Uh, we actually came up with it together because we have one product, the a Clover product called the Foundations Trio. That's that's an awesome, awesome blend, but it's slow to to establish. And there's a whole lot of people who are impatient. Obviously, this day it's like everybody wants instant gratification. So we came up with a seed blend um, that he ended up sending to me, and I tested it in a ten by ten area in my yard, and I planted it in May, mid-May in in Virginia, awesome. next to my house. And eight weeks later, in throughout the summer, planted it basically, you know, late to spring, early summer, and by eight weeks later, it was full and plush and green and just awesome and we were like we we got to take off with that if it's going to grow like that quickly you know quickly and and establish that that well
0: yeah that's awesome and that's that's one of the products i planted this year of y'all's that quick start clover and the ten ring, using that that no-till method um which you know has worked out phenomenally well i planted back in september and uh it's already coming up i'll send you guys some pictures um tomorrow after work and i've been more than impressed, especially with how little rain that we've gotten. It's still come up. Mm -hmm. It's been coming up better under the areas that had better thatch where I cut it after I seeded. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's still, it's still coming up and it's greening up and I've got pictures of deer all in it. So I've been more than pleased there. So would you say that the no-till method with the thatch on top saved your plot this year? Because Uh you're just talking about how dry you are. A hundred percent. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And it's really bizarre because we get a ton of rain here. We get over 50 inches of rain here a year. And we like, this is very abnormal and very bizarre time of year. It's usually something we never even have to consider. Um, And it's been so dry since early August. Um, It's just been brutal. It it rained right when I planted, right when I seeded. And then that was it. And ever since then, it's been Dry, dry, dry. Well, I'm glad to hear that it's still making it. Yeah, heck yeah. Uh, Jeff Vanderheiden, you know, talking about this no-till method with, with Jeff a little bit, was that ever something that you were, you know, gunning for or considering when you created this company? Is that something you identified as a kind of niche that you wanted to target for guys with less equipment or, you know, maybe smaller areas that don't? require a a big heavy equipment to get in there and and till up the earth or
3: yeah i mean i wouldn't necessarily say that i set out just to do that but i definitely um you know there's there's definitely a call and a need for that kind of thing and that's why we have um you know dove into that a little bit and and done some research on certain things that that you want to plant for that style of planting and um, you know, I've also, there's certain situations and certain soil types that it's beneficial to do it that way. I mean, there's a lot of people obviously that work the dirt and still have um, good success with their soil. But in some places where you have, you know, not very good soil or sandy soil is a troublesome one or, you know, like a hard packed clay or different stuff like that where you want to do a no-till type message and build that organic matter in the soil um there's a ton of benefits to doing it that way so we have you know geared some of the mixes um punchless is a good one for that that quick start clover works well for that it um, works really well in in some of your soil types that are not um as as good your ph isn't as good or or your organic matter isn't as good and um, there's just a, a ton of different things that it can be for so every circumstance is different but yeah we Um, you know, we have definitely geared a couple things towards that method just because it's, it's beneficial to do that in a lot of places.
0: Yeah. I like that. I like the comprehensive approach that your company's taken and y'all kind of have a couple different methods of, uh, how to do food plots covered and, you know, as versatile as, as possible is kind of what's going to be the most effective for everybody's varying situations across the, across the country. Right.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, that was one of the things I really appreciated right from the beginning. Um, you know, you can you can tell when somebody else is being authentic, right? And I appreciated that about Jeff right at, right at the beginning because I clearly, I, I came to him and I was like, hey, dude, I don't know anything about this. Like, this is, <laughs> this is all new to me. Uh, and, you know, he could have been like, oh, well, you need to buy this and this and this and this, right? And, you know, I may have done that, right? Um, but he didn't like, he started off and was like, all right, what are your goals? Right. What are we trying to accomplish here? Uh, we need to get a soil test. Right. Um, he could have just sent me a link to buy the, these seeds or these seeds or the most expensive seeds or like, whatever, you know, a thousand pounds of ryegrass seeds. And I wouldn't have known the difference. And, uh, you know, we got the soil test and I sent him a picture of it and he was like, ugh that's not great. And I was like, I appreciate that. Like that is an honest guy right there. Like that is nice. (laughs) He was like, Oh boy. And I was like, "Oh, Oh, great. Here we go. But, uh, yeah, you know, we just have acidic soil down here and, you know, I wasn't in a place to, you know, lime is not an immediate fix. And he explained the entire process to me and I never felt you know, as a teacher, I appreciated him taking the time to explain the whole process to me and keep me included in the conversation. And yeah, now here we are. So that was pretty cool. You're welcome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think what what you're also alluding to there, and and I'll I'll make this point, is that we can't just take raw. I mean, there's very few parts of the country where you're going to take a soil sample and it's going to be 6.5 pH. And you're going to be like, organic is six percent or more and you're going to be like oh i can go plant anything that's going to be successful most of us are going to start in that low fives to you know possibly high fours and we got work to do you know what i mean and you're not going to be able to grow the brassica, you know a, a whitetail magazine type picture food plot the first year you, you know you're just not going to um there now there are some products and we have one now that will help with that um And help unlock some of the nutrients in the soil, and Jeff can expand upon that, but because he knows more about the product than I do. But you're not going to go out there and have a you know, it's just a lush, beautiful food plot the first year of brassicas, right off the bat. You got you got to do the work first, and and it and the soil just doesn't change overnight, Um, especially that good old red clay Georgia dirt, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, sure adds its challenges, man um yep. breaking down i want to get into all your products for sure and i want to talk about the success and uh i want to talk about what i planted of y'all's this year too but if y'all were to break down like if you were going to instruct someone like you like you taught me nigel uh you know no till versus till right let's let's start with no till and what is like the you know the down and dirty like step process that someone with limited equipment would want to start with and maybe wh- like why those steps
2: yeah. Um, I, kn- I know you're going to want me to take this one Jeff right so this is funny Um, I don't have big equipment either and I and you know that Carter um, but Jeff when I first started talking to Jeff I had a four gallon I still have the same two, two three years ago at this point two and a half years ago I have a four gallon backpack sprayer okay I had access me to too. a four gallon <laughs> <laughs> um, I have, uh, uh, ATV that could get me in and out to places. Um, and I've got, um, I had a little green hand spreader that you get at Tractor Supply. And then I had a chest spreader that was made by Solo. Um, and that was, that's all, that's all I had. And, um, I met, met Jeff. That's, that's all I had two and a half years ago. And I, the only thing I've added since then was a lawn roller, um, but if you were to break down the whole process, obviously number one, get a soil sample. Got to get the soil sample. Um, if you have a plans in doing this, you know, a food plot. Don't don't wait until August to get the su- the the soil sample. Do it in the springtime. Do it, you know, scouting around. Do it when you're shed hunting. Doing it, you know, do it earlier in the year so then you can start the process. And the next prop, the next part of the process, I'm going to say is, you know, start doing lime. lime. Um, after that or do whatever you need to do based upon the the results of the soil um, sample. So, and, and then if you're in that early part of the year, um, majority of what we should majority of us be is doing this stuff in the spring and then starting in the beginning of the growing season um, is what I do or what I started doing was basically doing about two to three sprays with glyphosate before the season so i could hit those different weeds that were coming up and start killing that seed bed um and in uh that's in the soil so you uh i'd spray two three times once every month while you're correcting the ph and the lime uh with the lime and then uh Basically, once you get to where you're, you know, planting time, and it varies around the country. Um, all I've done in the past is I've sprayed those three times, and then the last time I spray about ten to fourteen days before I want to plant, and then I'll plant and seed right into that dead standing vegetation, and. I'll go back and either use a, the lawn roller or if it's a little bit taller, I'll mow it down with my riding lawn mower. I mean, this thing's from probably 1989. Okay. It's still, <laughs> <laughs> but it still works and it and is the one I use for the food plots because I can run over the sticks and not have to worry about it, you know, jacking up my mower or anything. But, um, the first food plot I did with Jeff seed, which was the pictures I sent you Carter of the, uh, of the brassica mix and it was the most beautiful food plot i've ever had um all i did was seeded right into the dead uh, standing dead vegetation um after i just progressively corrected my ph through that gear and then i mowed over top of it and i used the wheel uh the tires of that riding lawn mower to pack everything down as i was going around so i was making like six inch passes the whole way around a half acre food plot and it just packed everything packed everything right down and I'm here on the east coast of Virginia, um, you know, the coastal Virginia, and it, I'm on an island basically, and I have sand. You know, most of my soil is sand with a little bit of clay, and then gravel underneath that. So, you know, you want to talk about soil moisture just disappearing, real quick. Um, but, you know, I, I, that's that's it. And I fertilized when I seeded, and then um, that that's all. You know, per the soil soil sample, so. That that would be the kind of the steps is soil sample, start amending that soil, start killing the seed bank and then seed right into it and just mow it down or cultipack it down if you can. And you don't need a fancy thousand dollar, you know, uh, cultipacker. You just I use a 36 gallon lawn roller now but those tires of my ATV or your riding lawnmower will work just as well. You just got to, it takes a lot longer. (laughs) took me about two hours, (laughs) but I mean, you know, you got to, sometimes we got to do it, you know, like that. And that was just to ensure really good seed to soil contact. Um, You know, there, you can seed and just mow right over top of it um, or, you know, or just seed right into it and hope something comes up. Um, and, and those things work because the rain can push a lot of these smaller seeds down to the soil. So
0: yeah, I've got a picture of uh, the step by step process you sent me. I took a screenshot in preparation for this. and and then after that, you were like, it's really that easy. And I was like, I mean, I'll give it a try, man. Like, I went and bought my backpack sprayer, and I sprayed like four acres with a four-gallon backpack sprayer, and it took <laughs> Dude. Uh, it took a thousand years. It took so long. And uh, as after I did that, I was like, "All right, step one done." And you were like, "All right, ten to fourteen days after seed into it." And I came back down. I walked back down to my back forty, and I was. I, I looked out, and I was like oh my gosh, what have I done? I was like, everything's dead. This is the worst idea I've ever, like, <laughs> there's no deer's ever going to come back here again. I was like, I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that life was going to come back again. I was like, it's all dead. This is all Jeff's fault. Everything's dead. <laughs> and I was like, all right, stick with the process. So, yep. seeded into it, bush hogged it, and then ran over back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, ran over it a million times, and then When I sent you pictures, I mean, it was – I remember when one of my best friends came down to hunt, he was hunting and I was putting the baby down, and uh, I was like, how the food plots look. And he was like, it looks like an Irish spring commercial. And I was like, yes, (laughs) we did it.
2: Yep, yep. Um, But obviously Mother Nature has a lot to play into your success and my success last year. Um, My food plot last year, this time, looked like an Irish spring commercial. And, um, I honestly don't, uh, don't have that right now, but I, I, I just don't have the rain this year. I've gotten less than a half an inch of rain in the last month. Um, I've planted a food plot twice and still have very little sprouting. So obviously, you know, we can do everything perfect in the world. I can tell you the process. I can run you through the process. I can help people walk through it, you know, step by step. But if mother nature ain't cooperating, then you're going to be in trouble, but Hopefully, hopefully, it's cooperating for you down there this year. It's not not so much for me.
0: Yeah, for sure, we're getting some rain, so I'm I'm feeling good about it, man. Um, Perry, what did y'all? What process did y'all decide to use a, on your farm this year for your plots?
1: Yeah, we did. We did uh, very similar, almost almost identical to what you laid out. Um, the one thing that I didn't get to do, which I know is it's kind of one of the most important steps, was uh, that spray. Um, I don't know about you guys where I am. We have a lot of, um, that Japanese stilt grass that, that likes yep. to invade, um, these, these shaded We have, we have the same kind of deal, Jeff, we've got, you know, small little half acre, even like quarter acre, little micro plots tucked back into the timber. A lot of it's like old logging yards kind mm-hmm. of deals, um, you know, a power line and that stilt grass just has a way of, of getting in there and kind of taking over, over everything. Um, mm-hmm. we've, we've kind of dabbled with, we deal with food plots in the past, um, to varying degrees of success. And we have some, some perennial clovers and some other things that have, you know, managed to, to take hold. So I was hoping to spray just, you know, specifically the stilt grass, um, this year, and I could not find the, uh, the herbicide that I was looking for. So I just did the same thing. I went in there, I took my, uh, my lawnmower, my zero turn and just mowed it real close, um, I just got a, uh, an ATV harrow, you know, one of the little drag harrows. Um, so I mowed it real close. I drug it with that. I, um, seeded it and then I went back over it with the ATV and the harrow just going real slow and just, you know, back and forth, just like you're describing, yeah. um, trying to get that seed, you know, pressed down in there. And luckily we had, uh, a lot of the rain, you know, in the forecast a couple of days after that, uh, hope, hopefully not. So it rained hard. I'm, I'm hoping all my seed didn't wash. Wash down the hill, but, um, and I haven't been back up to check on it, but yeah, it's very
2: similar to that same process you just described. Right. Well, if you, if you could have followed the process, um, of spraying and leaving that dan- standing dead vegetation and then mowing down over, over top of it, you may not be so, so concerned with washout at that right. point. And that's, that's a big thing of of uh you know the no no no-till process um especially if you don't have like the cultic packers and and the big heavy tractors and and that sort of thing you're really relying on that thatch layer uh as like to act as a mulch layer and it insulates your seed protects your seed from those washout storms that we get this time of year the derechos and the cold fronts and all that sort of stuff so you know where you get three inches of rain in an hour um, you know all about those but um, you know, and hopefully you have a success with it this year, but I think that, you know, that's another point. There's not always just one way of doing things. You, you use a drag harrow and you're obviously using that to take some of that thatch layer off so you could expose the seed to the soil. Cause if you were probably seeded right into that thatch that you had mowed down, you probably wouldn't have gotten a good seed to soil contact. So, cause it wasn't that's sprayed. probably right. Yep. Yep. Right.
3: Yeah, there's, de- there's definitely, there's definitely plenty of different ways to, to get the results. Um, and you know, in some soils, some soils call for, you know, different measures. Um, I mean, we've, we're all kind of deal with that. I mean, I, I do have a farm, um, that I've been trying to help a buddy out with, and I've actually been bouncing stuff off a, of, a uh, Jeff here that just has super, super sandy soil, um, up on the, like half of the plot. And, I've been having a horrible time trying to get it to take, so I basically did the no-till method, like on that half um, of the plot this year, and I actually do have some some decent germination. Now we've been plagued here in the, in our part of the Midwest with next to no rain. We went almost forty-five days without any measurable rain um, right around where I live and on my property. So it it was a little bleak for a while, but we've uh, we happened to catch a couple uh, rains here recently that I think are gonna not going to have the, uh, the bulb size or the tonnage that we might've had in past years, but uh, we are going to have plots to hunt over after all. But uh, it was looking like maybe it's going to be a good year to hunt over some dirt. So I wasn't quite sure how that was, (laughs) (laughs) how that was going to go for a while. It was a little scarce for a while, but yeah, I think, I think we're going to come out of that now. So, but um, you know, certain soils, like Jeff said that, you know, work, And you know, for different methods, right? I mean, if you work up the soil too much on some of those sandy soils, you're basically just taking all the moisture out of that soil. um, You know, that doesn't drain, that drains too quickly already anyway. You're not holding any moisture in there. So we use the thatch, you know, that thatch layer to hold that moisture in there and to actually hold the seed um, to get germinated basically. So, um, you know, in some other good soils. I mean, I have some plots on my farm that are in, in a bottom, um, area down close to a creek line. That's just good black dirt. Um, if there's any moisture in that soil at all, even with working it up and tilling it, the seed germinates in a matter of a couple of days, not, you know, not a problem, but it's just, it's just different, you know, way, different soil conditions basically calling for different methods to try to get the results that you're looking for so
0: yeah that's something i didn't quite realize was just how diverse and like like i don't know if complicated is the right word but like there's a lot of options out there for how you want to plant your food plots oh, yeah. and there's a lot that you have to understand i kind of just thought like i was like oh i like to garden like this will be all right uh no it's like it gets way more complicated and you get you can go down like a lot of rabbit holes here and yeah. uh, you know, like, would you consider yourself, Jeff, like the the equipment guy, or like, are you more of a, a traditional like tilling food plot uh, guy?
3: Yeah, I do. I do more. I do more working of the soil. Um, I guess than I don't like. I said I do it all with ATV type equipment, but I do have um, like a spring tooth harrow and a disc that I pull behind um, you know, the ATV to actually work the soil. And then I also do have, um, like a cultipacker packer that I pull behind the ATV to call to pack the, the seed in once I've seeded. Now I still do, um, hand seed everything with like a solo spreader or, you know, one of the, one of the little Scott's green ones, some, Uh, sometimes i find you have better control with even just a little hand spreader on some of the stuff depends on what you're planning like a plot screen or something like that i like to use a little teeny scott's handheld one just because you can see what you're doing and you can control it really well you know um but yeah so there's just uh but yeah i would say for the most part um i do actually try to work up the soil a little bit so i would You know, um, I would spray, um, like Jeff mentioned, to kill all. So, you know, it depends on where you're planting your plot. If you're going to start in an area that you have a lot of weeds and stuff like that, I would try to mow those weeds down um, as short as you can and then spray them to kill them. Uh, You know, to burn everything down, I would try to to spray it a couple times if you can. And then, of course, I would try to work up that soil a little bit, seed everything, and then take the cultipacker over everything. Um is kind of would be, you know, my method of planning how I do most of it. Like I said, sometimes that varies just on what your soil types and stuff are.
0: Right. So if you were looking for like limited equipment, totally doable with an ATV and a set of discs on the back of that thing, ATV discs?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, I, if I were to only have just a few pieces of equipment, the sprayer, sprayer obviously is number one. I mean, a, a mower would be a mower, a sprayer, and a cultipacker. You could probably about do everything, or a lawn roller. Lawn roller works too. It's um, something to get that seed to soil contact is what you're what you're after. The disc part you can do without, but you can absolutely do a lot of stuff with an ATV disc. Um, you know, it varies from a tractor just by the the fact that you don't can't put down pressure on it. You know, you don't have enough weight. Um, to it sometimes cutting brand new plots um, are a little bit difficult with like an ATV disc you have to make a lot of passes or something to get it broke up um, just because you can't apply down pressure to it or or add enough weight to it but um, you absolutely can still do everything with ATV equipment but yeah I mean pretty still pretty reasonable and minimal equipment um, you can still accomplish a lot of things so
0: what do you, what would you guys say would be like the, what's your like number one tip for success for someone trying their own food plots? Is that seed to soil contact like a number one?
3: Yeah, that's that got to definitely be right up there. Uh, and then, and then knowing your soil, um, that soil sample or, or just knowing what kind of soil you have is probably right up there too. But yeah, I mean, if your seed doesn't get to the soil, you're not going to get very far either. So those are probably, you know, two major, major things. Um, yeah.
2: I'd say they'd be hand in hand. I mean, knowing your, yeah. knowing your soil and, and seed to soil contact, because you're not going to get anything to grow unless you get seed to soil contact. And you're not really going to get anything to develop past germination. If you don't have soil that, you know, the in the soil at all, or done anything to help that soil to unlock the nutrients. And we got a product for that, that we'll get into here in a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about it. I want to talk about that for sure, then I want to talk about what I planned, and I want you guys to tell me I did a great job.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's I, hope I hope you did. I <laughs> what you should order. <laughs>
0: yeah, we'll see. We'll see what he no, says. Lord. All right, so your full potential. Is that yep. what you're referencing? Yes. All right, talk to me about that.
3: Full Potential is a um, combination of humic and fulvic acid. Um, The humic acid um, will add all the micronutrients and basically help your plants, um, strengthen your roots of your plants, um, and then also allow the soil to help your plants better uptake water and nutrients. And the fulvic acid part of that actually will unlock your soil um, it's kind of strange to explain, but soil can be locked out from nutrients to where you can't get certain nutrients out of the soil to your plants. And the fulvic acid part of that will actually unlock your soil's nutrients and allow your plants to uptake all the available nutrients. In it. it's, it's very, um, shows very good results in people that have like sandy or poor soil or, or, um, acidic soil and stuff like that to try to help. Um, your plants basically get the nutrients that they need and strengthen your plants. Um, Also helps in drought situations for plants that are existing. Now, of course, you still need water to get your plants to take off, but um, it does help on plots like clover plots or something that are already established. It helps those plants uptake as much water as they can possibly uptake out of the soil. Um, when you do have moisture available so it, it's just a really good product it's kind of um, it, it's not used a ton in the food plotting industry yet um, I would foresee a lot of things coming from that type of a product I think a lot of people still don't know about it it's used quite widely in um, gardening and, and different things like that. People use that, um, product a lot for that kind of thing. Farmers do use some of it in the agricultural uh, world in different forms, um, as well, um, to help obviously with the same type situation, but, um, it's really taken off. I think in the, in the, it will be taking off in the food plot world, just because there's, um, so many different things that people can do to try to, um, you know, get benefits from or trying to increase, I mean, you're looking to increase your yield and your palatability, just like a regular farmer is looking to do the same thing. You're looking to do that as well on your food plots. And that's what we're trying to get to. So, um, it's just a, it's just a great product to, to help with that.
1: What's the, uh, what's the application rate and process for that like, or is that just entirely dependent on the the results of your soil sample and your specific situation with your soil Uh, type, et cetera.
3: No. So it's actually, um, it's actually a product basically. So I sell it in a, um, in a 32 ounce, um, container and that 32 ounces will cover one acre. So basically what you need to do as the customer is figure out like your sprayer situation. Um, basically how much liquid, you need to spray one acre and then you would add that 32 ounces of you know of chemical to um, your sprayer to apply to one acre of ground so i mean me personally um, i can cover an acre with about 15 gallons out of my sprayer so i'll add that 32 ounce container to my 15 gallons of water and make sure that all gets applied to that acre so it just a little bit depends on how your sprayer is calibrated. Um, out of like a backpack sprayer, you would just have to know how many tanks you're going to take to cover, you know, um, that one acre of ground. And then you would, of course, apply and mix it accordingly, I guess. So, um, yeah, that in it. But it's one thing that you you can't. You can't overdo it, I'll say in kind of a weird way. I mean you don't want you don't want to just go crazy with it, but you also can't you can't overdo it. It's not something that's gonna harm your plants. It won't like burn your plants like nitrogen might or something like that. It, it's not something that will harm your your plants if you put too much on it or if it's even in direct contact with your plant foliage. It's, it works as a soil conditioner, but it also is fine as a foliar application as well.
0: So is this something you apply to existing plants as they're coming up?
3: Yeah, you you can actually apply it at any point in time. That's kind of the benefit of it. Okay. So you can apply it at planting, um, you know, to bare soil, or you can apply it, um, you know, multiple times through the process if you want to. I mean, you can apply it at planting to your bare soil as like a soil conditioner. You could also apply it to your plot Let's say later on down the road, um, after your plot's up and growing, and you want to hit your plot with some liquid fertilizer, you can add full potential to your liquid fertilizer and put it down then as well as all you're doing is just you know increasing, um, basically the work that it's going to do to your soil.
0: Gotcha. That's awesome. That sounds super cool. How did you come up with that?
3: Uh, I mean, it's just one of those things where I actually, uh, you know, had kind of started looking into it and and researching different things that would help um with you know your yield or your plant uh root strength or even in those conditions like we talked about like drought type conditions looking into try to strength products and after just kind of researching that and and getting into that um those products i found were used a lot for that and then of course once i kind of figured out what they were and what was going on i really nerd out about it, you know, and, and, uh, just, and, and, you know, it's one of those things. That's kind of the fun part of what I do, I guess, is after I, you know, it's like different seed mixes and stuff. Once I get something in my head or, or, you know, I just kind of go for it and start researching it and really dive into it, reading tons of articles, doing research, talking to people, you know, agronomists, different things like that, to try to get as much information I can about the products. And then also just trying it myself, you know, and seeing, seeing results from it. So um, that's kind of the the fun part about it. I mean, um, you know, it's all almost like that research and development type stuff that you do on anything. And then once you find out that that's going to be a good product or a good working product and you actually, you know, bring it forth for other people to use.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I've, I've had those similar kind of thoughts like, man, it would be just be so much fun to try to dream up these crazy, you know, these yeah. crazy mixes and, and see what would work well. And, and, you know, you see, like you get on the forums and you see these different groups and pages, just like, you know, how, how you and Carter uh, got hooked up, Jeff, it's like, you see people ask questions and they'll get this like, Oh, well, you have to do it this way. You have to use this seed. Uh, you have to plant this exact you know thing for this situation. And it's like, well, that could, that could vary depending on your soil type, where you are, what your you know, um, the time of year, there's difference between spring plantings and, and summer plantings and fall plantings and, and all these things. And so, you know, to have that, to be able to have that creativity to, um, try different things, see what works for you, see what works in different places. You know, it sounds like a lot of fun, and I, I think that'd be – I was just curious, you know, what that process looks like for you.
3: Yeah, it, it, it is a lot of fun. I mean, we're, we're always trying different stuff. I'll, I'll have, you know, some of the guys that I work with, um, you know, help me out with that stuff to try some of those different mixes and stuff in different parts of the country too just to see what kind of results um, we're getting. Um, I know like the quick start clover, for example, um, Jeff planned a little test plot of that out at his, his place there. And, and, um, uh, you know, just to kind of see the results we were going to get out in that part of the country, cause it obviously is different from the Midwest here. So, um, you know, it's fun to, to see that happening in different, in different places and, and then to get those results. And then if we need to, um, you know, make adjustments to it to help better it um, then we do that as well
0: yeah and speaking of nagel i (laughs) i planted i planted the 10 ring and i planted the quick start clover that's what i went with from y'all this year nice and tell me why did why did i do that
2: Mm. why did you do that Mm. yeah well, those are good
0: mixes. <laughs> <laughs> this is plan.
2: Um, did you plant them all in the same plot or did you plant them in separate plots? I planted them in the same plot. Okay. Um, obviously, the, the 10 ring product and, and Jeff can, you know, go off the top of his head of what all um, oh, is in the mix. But that just is like your smorgasbord mix. That's that's just going to be like a little bit of everything. Um, your grains, your clover, uh, some some, uh, some beans and, and some peas and stuff in there as well. And, uh, it's just, it's just one of an all around great mix. Um, and then the quick start Clover I'm kind of proud of, cause that was something that Jeff and I spent a bunch of time on Facebook messaging back and forth, a bunch of time on the phone messaging back and forth, just cause I felt like we needed a product where people wanted to see a little bit more instant gratification. Not not instant, but quicker gratification when it came to a clover um, product. We kind of we had another product out there um, that Jeff had been. It's just absolutely killer clover mix, but it's slow. It's it's really slow establishing. So that that quick start clover, um, I grew in my side yard, no soil test um, in the test plot that Jeff mentioned, and it was a ten by ten area, and I tested it out in next to my house, no-till method. And in six weeks, I had um, six to eight-inch tall clover that was thick and full and good to go. And we knew at that point it was just going to be killer because there's not a whole lot of clover mixes out there that are going to give you those type of results in and, and six six to eight weeks. And I had played and planted it in May late in the year in Virginia. You know, We were already getting 85, 90-degree days. The soil temperature was close to 70 degrees, you know, or, you know, the high sixties, mid sixties, maybe 70 degrees in different spots. Um, and it, and it was still successful. So we knew it was just going to be killer at, at that point. So, um, the reason I suggested those to you, just cause you had the smorgasbord mix, um, <clears throat> just to see what the deer, you know, would prefer down there. And then the clover mix is always a good, good, um, deal to go with. So, you know, you might find that there's things in the, in the, a 10 ring that your deer love and there's other things they might not touch so it's always a good um experimental mix to throw out there to see what the what uh, the, your deer would really lo- really like so so and then you know follow up next year with all the clovers that are in the 10 ring and then and the quick start clover you can come through with uh you know if you have any um stuff that's still lingering like any of the grains or anything like that you can come through with uh you know, like our uh, clover cure, which is, um, you know, for, for grasses and, and grains and stuff and kill that stuff. And then you can come back and have a uh, great clover stand after that and be a little bit more easy maintenance that way. So.
3: Yeah, that's what I was going to add to that. So adding quick start into the tin ring, you're going to basically see the benefits from that next spring. Um, as far as the fact that you'll have a strong stand of clover following up that tin ring. So, your tin ring is your fall plot. You know, um, what, what you're hunting over this year is basically the tin ring, which also does have a couple of clovers in it, um, but the rate isn't as high because you have all the other things that are in the tin ring. So, you add the quick start to it, and now what you're going to have is clover that will come on strong in the spring. So, you'll basically go in there in the spring and mow down. Um, the leftovers of the small grains and the milo and stuff that are in the tin ring. And if you want to, you'll be able to continue that as a clover plot for the duration of the summer or even further on. If you want to take it that far, Um, you know, you could overseed more clover into it than if you wanted to, to continue that plot for years to come, if you really want to. Um, But if you want to just get into a rotational basis you would have that clover in your plot all summer long feeding deer and then next fall you would go back into that with a fall type blend again and your clover's been putting nitrogen and other nutrients in the ground over the summer as well so it's it's there's a ton of benefits for doing it that way you're also helping keep weeds in check a little bit with that clover they're going to help choke out a lot of the weeds you can maintain it by mowing which also helps with weeds so there, the benefits are are very long with with that style of planting that you did
0: yeah i'm excited about it i uh i'll walk down there and take some pictures for you guys but i took the dog down there yesterday and it was already green and and coming up a little bit so that was always reassuring to see and uh yeah i'm really excited definitely going to keep an eye on it what yeah. uh what else do you guys want to showcase here what uh, why are you why are your sugar beets sold out jeff <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, here's the thing. Sugar beets are one of those things. They're planted early in the year. You, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know it, but sugar beets have like a 100-day a type maturity rate. And so, pe- you know, a lot of people, this is kind of a, a misknown thing in the food plot industry, I guess. But they're in a lot of mixes that people plant in the fall, and you're really not getting much out of the sugar beets when planted that late in the year um i mean if sugar beets are done right they should go in the ground like back in early june maybe you know um, uh, that time of the year to get that 100 day maturity out of them to where they're doing what they're supposed to be doing so um the big order that i had in for that seed i sold out of and i figured we were late enough in the year that i didn't want to continue um I, I try not to carry a ton of that's another thing about being kind of the small seed company that I am. I like to keep everything as fresh as I can possibly keep it from the grower. Um just because I don't like to have people lose that germination and stuff. Of course I test it like crazy to make sure that I don't lose germination. Um it's stored properly, it's sealed up, you know, all those different things. But um I don't like to carry piles and piles of seed over to the next You know year for buying because that stuff will lose a little bit of shelf life i mean not not a ton but it it can lose some and i don't i don't like to do that so uh, if i can um of course as we're growing now we're starting to do things earlier and earlier as a company so i you know i start to do some trade shows and stuff like that a little bit earlier in the year so i do obviously have to carry some over but i take extra precautions and making sure that that stuff is taken care of properly um, to make sure that nobody's missing out on, on, you know, quality seed. I mean, that's where I pride myself is, is the highest germination rates that I can get my hands on. And, and, you know, the quality and purity in the seed, try to know, you know, as few weeds as, you know, weed seed, Um, as possible. Obviously, no noxious weeds of any kind. I won't accept things if the germination rate is too low. It's just what I pride myself in. So that's why the sugar beets are sold out, long story. But uh, yeah, Um, and a few other things are that are probably going to be that way too. And And then this year has been a little bit of a goofy one for a few different types of seeds. Um, last year there was bad growing years for some from some of the growers in different things so I've had a hard time getting my hands on certain things this year Um, and so it's just been a little bit different but again that's part of uh, the difference between me and and just any bag of seed that you're going to go grab off the shelf at Walmart so uh, you know that's kind of like I said I I try to pride myself in making sure that the quality is there and the and that everybody's going to get the results that they want when they do get that seed in the ground.
2: And, and I think to, to expand upon that, Jeff, um, what you're really getting at is, is there you won't bag or even buy or take in um, seed that has low germination rates, high weed seed percentages, or anything like that. Um, so, you know, sometimes we have limited um, supplies of things just because we can't get our hands on the quality that, um, we want and we need to be putting into our mixes. Cause you know, we're not going to send something out the door that's at 65, 70% germination rate. That's not helping anybody.
3: Right. You know? Yeah. I yep, think that's, you, uh, seen, you know, I've seen a lot I've seen in the past, um, you know other things like if you happen to go to a store and, and look and grab a bag off sometimes you'll see stickers that are over top of other stickers when it comes to germination rates and stuff like that and you already know that stuff's over a year old when you're when you're at that at that point in the game so you know you're just you're taking a chance on what you're buying then i'm not going to tell you that everybody's selling you bad stuff i'm just telling you that you know, you're taking a chance at that. And I, I don't like to, to do that. So, um, the, you know, that's one of those things that there may be stuff that I do run out of at times just because, like Jeff said, I, I'm making sure that the quality is there.
1: Yeah, no, I just, I actually, I appreciate that mentality. I've, a, as a small business guy myself, and, and obviously, as Carter alluded to, Hunt Lifty just is the same kind of deal. You know, it's a small, um, a small organization kind of built from the ground up and, and having that, uh, that pride in your product and not being willing to make those sacrifices, um, you know, having that, that direct line of, of transparency and communication with your customer base to say, Hey, yeah, we're sold out of it because, you know, X, Y, and Z, the quality control wasn't there. Um, and I wasn't going to sacrifice the product that you're going to get, you know, if, you know, as, as we've been as we've been talking through this, you know, it sounds like a lot of us are in the same position where, you know, just, just average guys, small time food plotters. And, you know, the worst thing, (laughs) the worst thing is when you, you, you spend all this time and effort and you spend money to, you know, to go buy a product and it's, you know, it's our labor of love. This is our passion project. And then you go out there and you feel like you got ripped off because of a, because of an inferior product. And so having that pride, um, I think really comes through.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I don't. Yeah. And that, and it's a peace of mind for me too. I know when a bag leaves me, um, that it's not probably going to, it's not going to be the seeds fault that it's not growing. Right. I mean, there's something else going on probably in your, in your <laughs> plot, you know, but whether it's a human error or your soil or mother nature doesn't cooperate. Um, you know, really for the most part, you just add water and it, it'll grow you know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, kind of the bottom line. So it's a, it's a peace of mind for myself as well. But I also, you know, again, um, you, the consumer, um, if you're not getting the results that you're looking for, you're not going to come back and buy from me. You're going to, the first thing that you're going to, you know, do is, is blame the seed. I mean, that seems to be the running case. You don't have to look very far to see, you know, to see that happening. And so I don't want that to be the case. I want it to be something else that went wrong, whether, you know, some chemicals got applied, not properly, or, you know, mother nature didn't shed a drop of rain. It just happens or something. Um, you know, I just, I don't want it to be the seeds fault, I guess. And so that's, I try to get every opportunity not to be.
0: Yeah, we certainly appreciate that. And, you know, we're rolling up on an hour here, but, I kind of, I would definitely wanted to ask you before we take off here, maybe both of you can answer this. You alluded to it briefly and it may be your answer, but when, when guys are in these, you know, box stores and they're looking to buy food plot seeds, what would you, what's like one important piece of advice that you would give guys that they need to either pay attention to or look at, you know, before Purchasing, other than of course, I'm telling folks to go buy Buck Fever Seed Company yeah. seeds, right? Yeah. So that's number one. Go to go to Buck Fever and, and buy your seeds sure. there. But you know, you, you look at these labels and there's so much marketing and like I was in Tractor Supply the other day and like the big giant buck on this on this uh, bag of seed and you flip it over and it's 89% rye grass. and nice. like I wouldn't have known that existed. I wouldn't have known to look for that before talking to Jeff two years ago. So like, what what's some advice that you guys would give?
3: Yeah. So that, I mean, um, Jeff can take some of this too, but that's probably uh, looking to see what's in the actual bag. So flip the bag over and look at that seed tag, um, see what your percentage rates are in there. Um, and then also look at your, you know, your seed, your purity and basically your germination rate, um, on there. I mean, you'll see right on that seed tag, um, what what's in that bag as far as that goes so yeah obviously don't try to stay away from anything that has rye grass in it um, uh, people also will confuse that a lot with rye grain stuff which is like your obviously your winter rye your oats your wheat all that kind of stuff you know is um is what i would call in the small grain category but like your rye grain is obviously different from rye grass but you do have a lot of people that use rye grass in their mixes and i always um, relate that to the old you know shiny fishing lure that you buy when you go in and buy something where it kind of catches the fishermen and not necessarily the fish so um you know it's one it's one of those deals where uh, the rye grass sure looks great in your plot Um, it's going to be bright green and it's going to grow like crazy in no time, but you're going to be fighting it for a while. And, uh, in my experience, and I've tried some other mixes side by side with some of my stuff and all, they have no interest in the ryegrass. There's no benefit to the deer, um, you know, as far as ryegrass goes. So stay away from that and then just watch your percentage rates. Um, some of what, some of what you're buying, your percentage rates are really high on on what I would call like a filler type seed, even your your small grains, um, where that percentage rate is really really high in there. Now, if you're if you're looking for that kind of thing, fine. But if you're not, then just make sure kind of pay attention to what you're looking for. There there's a purpose for your small grains in some mixes, but what I'm saying is, you know, if you're not looking for a plot that's 89 percent winter rye and and you want some other stuff pay attention to that percentage rate in there um just because that's what you're end up you know getting for what you're what you're buying basically yeah
2: and just to i mean just to reiterate i'm on the same page with with jeff there that the label is um you know not not what it says on the clear on the plastic on the back side or the front side of the bag but the actual stickered um, you know, seed, uh, quality label that's on, that's supposed to be on every bag of seed. If it doesn't, then definitely walk away, but, um, look for that germination rate, look for the quality of seed, look for the noxious weed, look for the weed percentage, look, look for even how old it is. Um, there's, I can't tell you how many times I've walked up to a bag in Walmart or, um, some other, you know, big box stores and picked up a bag that's, 18 months the germination rate um, was tested 18 months ago obviously that's that's not going to hold true to you know when you go pick up that bag um, that germination rate so that label is really what you're looking for um and and what jeff said if you're looking for a, a, a you know a product that is mostly grains um cool um, that's, that's, that's fine. If you're a little bit later in the season and you're and you're on the, under the gun or you didn't quite get there, but if you're looking for something that's a, just a plain old, um, good mix or something like that, just don't, you know, look out for those, uh, high percentage, small grain mixes. So.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic advice guys and much appreciated. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a lot that goes into it and there's always room for improvement and, and knowledge to be gained. So mm-hmm. you know, never don't be afraid to reach out and ask uh, ask questions because you might you might find a Jeff Nagel who's happy enough to help you and help you get some food plots on your property. So oh yeah. But and yeah.
2: My question to you is my final question for you is have you retested your pH?
0: Well here's the answer to that question. <laughs> the Here we go. The answer would be no. Okay. Uh even though I should have and I knew I may be rebuked or <laughs> admonished for not doing so uh i even felt bad yeah. when i was when i was planning last week and i was like oh man jeff's gonna Jeff, jeff's gonna." well
2: die. you know what next time you go down to check it out just pull out you know good good little chunk of plugs and, and retest it it's not ever a bad time to retest and so that that way this winter you know after the deer season you know what uh what you got to go in to, you know try to try to uh attack if you if you got any uh, and I'm assuming down there where you're at, you're probably, your pH is still going to probably need some more help. Yep. More likely. So
0: Well, considering I didn't do anything to fix it, I reckon it's going to need some help still. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, uh, yep. I'll send you the results and you can tell me what to do, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I might start charging you. Yeah, you should. I would. You, you definitely should. <laughs> send it. Send my bill to Perry, please. <laughs> okay. All right. I got it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we're cruising up over an hour here, guys. This has been awesome. I really appreciate you guys jumping on here, and you know, uh, thanks to you, Jeff. You know, I'm a I'm a loyal Buck Fever Seed Seed Co. Uh, customer now, and you know, I'm gonna sing y'all's praises and that customer service and authenticity and you know, the, the, the passion that you have inside your, your company and your project, Jeff is, uh, awesome. And I, I love it. And that's, you know, that's where I like to support with, uh, with my money. So you guys got me and listeners, y'all should definitely go check them out. Um, do you guys have any, uh, closing thoughts for us here?
3: No, I just want to say, I appreciate, uh, appreciate that. And, and, um, you know, just want everybody to know that the same kind of thing. I mean, we, you know, we strive to, to have, you know, to have everybody have the quality and their results. Uh, like I said, it doesn't do us any good not to. So, um, you know, any, anybody that's looking to, um, that has questions that need, you know, wants help or whatever to, to reach out, um, to us. And we'll, we'll try to find you some answers. Um, even if I don't know them off top of my head, I'm, I'm going to find somebody that does, or I'm going to figure it out myself and, and, and try to help you with it. Cause we, we want you to, to have those results. So, um, yeah, no, we, we really appreciate it. And then, uh, I do, you know, appreciate you, uh, putting some stuff in the ground. We'll see what, see what happens.
0: I okay, can, man. We'll keep you updated. Jeff Nagel, you got anything?
2: Well, I just appreciate it. And I think, I think we should do it again. Cause I, I mean, we talked about a few mixes, but there's still so many more, Um, that we got and not that we just have like an overabundance but I mean we didn't talk about foundation trio clover we didn't talk about our blueprint blend which is the brassica blend I mean you know there's there's stuff we didn't get to so you know maybe we need to do it again where we just talk about
0: the different products and prepare people a little bit um for next year so absolutely yeah let's we'll, we'll get this on the calendar and we'll talk spring and then you know maybe next spring we can talk Ahead had a schedule for, for planning this, uh, summer and fall, man. I actually bought some of the foundations recently and I'm going to, I've got one more plot that I need to do. Um, and that's going to go there. So I'm stoked Sweet. about that. Yeah, man, oh, so. yeah. Perry, what you got, man?
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree hundred percent. Nagel, we, we definitely should do it again. I wanted to ask about the, the screen blend that you have. Um, I've, I've been itching to just start trying some different screens and there's, you got a bunch of st- you guys got a bunch of stuff out there that we didn't get to, and it's one of those things. You you know you get a bunch of guys that can nerd out on food plots. You can yep. uh, you can kill some hours real quick. So, oh, yes. um, yeah. And I, and I'm looking forward to what you guys have uh planned for you know for the future. What uh what what might be in the works um coming down the pipeline. So let's definitely oh, there, do it again, there's guys.
2: A, there's a sweet mix that I think is coming out next year, yeah, right? Jeff. We got we um, yeah we're
3: yeah. doing a little uh, we're doing a little work as we speak on some stuff. So uh. Per- there's going to be some changes happening after the first of the year. We're already implementing a couple of them, but we're we're changing a few things, and I think everybody's going to like it. So awesome! Heck yeah!
0: yeah. We'll keep uh keep us in the loop, and we'll keep Hunt Lifty listeners in the loop. And uh, Jeff Vanderheiden, where can folks find uh, you guys on social media if they want to check? Yeah, you so uh,
3: um, Buck Fever Seed Company um, is the website. Um, and then also just, um, you know, at Buck Fever Seed Co. on Facebook and, uh, on Instagram as well. So, um, I'm on those two platforms and then the website as well. And both, um, both the website and the Facebook page are, are full e-commerce with, with shop and everything. So if you're looking to purchase, um. Either one of those works. Um, the website's probably a little bit more user friendly than the Facebook shop is, but uh, but they're both available.
0: Awesome, fantastic listeners, go check them out for sure. And uh, yeah, give us uh, give us your feedback. And you know, as always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. And both Jeff's looking forward to having you guys back on sometime. Thanks right. for having us.